probably spend more time than just today on the rain because rain and water are such a key element in all of our thinking. What is that time of year? And it is a perfect time of year. We are exactly here between Mashi Baruch Mordegashem and St. Talumata Levracha. Absolutely, it's the time of year for it. But also rain, um, we, we find that there's sort of this threesome of the Anane HaKavod, the Mun, and the Well of Miriam. Like the water as sustenance is one type of su basic sustenance, and the food is one type of basic sustenance. And there's the Anne and how the three fit together, you know, the, the spiritual sustenance. Um, and, and so there's kind of like very specific, um, they're, they're the prototypes of their forms of sustenance or the way that Hashem provides for us. One is more like the, through the natural process. One is more through the s supernatural process. Like rain comes because of prayer. Food really does come because of prayer. But what it seems like it comes is through our work. Right? I toil. I, I, I often the ground and I plow it and I plant it. And it's all this whole process that happens. Whereas the rain, I got to look up into the sky and tell that it falls down. So I noticed that there is an interesting parallel because the prototype of the food is the man. And it's called man because they said to each other, man, who remember we did a whole shear on this on Shabbos, this idea, what is it? So why would, you, why would the name of it be, what is it? The name of it should be the thing it is. And the point is, what it is, is what is it? That's the ichor of the mun, is that you're supposed to be asking, what is this? Where did it come from? I davened for food and sustenance, and I got this. They didn't know what it was. It was Hashem not only sending the food they needed, sending something above and beyond anything they could have dreamed of asking for. Where, right, it looks like there's no way he's going to be able to provide us food. You can't, it doesn't matter if we would sit and plow, if we had seed to grow. What are you going to do with it in the desert? There's no water. The, the ground itself is not prepared. It has no nourishment to provide. <coughs> so this idea that, and they never knew when they were staying, right? What's are you going to like plow and then you're going to move on, you know, tomorrow morning. Um, so this idea that, that one of the key elements of the food is looking at it and saying, what is this? Where did it come from, right? What, what, is, what is the message of this? And it's kind of interesting because ma'im, which is water, is like a double ma. What? Ma'im is a double ma. Now, not purely grammatically, uh -huh. right? But essentially, essentially, what is the root word of ma'im? Yeah. It's ma. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So, in other words, there's a similar message happening there. And they're coming through two different routes. So I think that there's, it's worth spending, I didn't mean to talk about that today, but I think it's worth spending more time on this idea of the matar and the water and the, you know, water is Torah, that whole, this whole idea. Was it enough with the, with the tile cutting a couple weeks ago? <laughs> okay. So we're in Vahaya Im Shamoa. It shall be, if you listen to my mitzvahs, which I have commanded you today to love Hashem, your Lord, and to serve him with all your hearts and all your souls. I will give the rain of your land in its time. 
Oh, I always get stuck on these words. I always get mixed up. Which kind of rain is which kind of rain? Sorry. Yoret umalkosh. They just they, they mean very specific things, and I can't just skim over them anymore. Yore Umalkosh. <laughs> Even I could have translated it this way. The first rain and the latter rain. <laughs> I think there are very specific words that are said. The art scroll probably has a different translation than the first rain and the latter rain, which even I could have figured out. I think Yore means because it's shooting rain. This is the early and late rain. Early and late rain. Okay, they followed reverse. <laughs> No, they, they have like very specific meanings, like the yoret, the early rain, which is like a harder rain that helps to penetrate out oh, here. According to Sifri, yore would be derived from yora, which is like shooting, pouring straight down, penetrating the soil like an arrow, or having the meaning ravet to refresh with a cooling drink. On account of the regularity of its start in Cheshvan, it's also the indicator, the teacher, the more, that which shows the way. It announces the rainy season and defines people's activities thereafter. Okay, the malkosh from lakash, that which is late in time. So there's even an idea of a late growth of grass and field produce also is called like lekesh. Yore and malkosh. So, so the early rain is the one in Cheshvan? Is Cheshvan, that's the rainy season starts. Um, here, we don't start saying until December, because that's technically the winter season in the country we live in, which is America. But in Israel, you start saying on the 7th of Cheshvan, which is like in a little more than a week. I think it's probably a week from Shabbos. And you will bring in your grain. And these are also these like different kinds of uh, fermented products. Sorry. Thy wine and thine oil. That's right, Yitzhar's oil. Years ago, when Robert was visiting here. Uh, and you he get these problems, he, yeah. He was going to lead the davening, and then he realized that he couldn't because it wasn't right. the same. You as can lead the davening, but you have to know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an know, issue. Like, what should you out. say when you're in the other place? <laughs> and what should you, should, what do you do if you are called on to leave the davening? Right. Okay. And I will give grass in the fields for your animals, and you shall eat, and you will be satisfied. And we mentioned before that this is, this is the period of time when we are following what Hashem is doing. This is, if you listen, then you'll do this. And then we had a discussion, or maybe that's a time when we aren't following what Hashem is doing, but which doesn't sound right. So it's, we are doing what Hashem says, but, but not perfectly. So we still have to put all that effort in, to the toil, um, but it's blessed. But, the, but we also have plenty. As opposed to the ideal situation where somehow it gets taken care of. Other people are doing it and tithing to us, or we're in the Garden of Eden and it's just growing, or we're in the desert and it just shows up on our doorstep. Mm -hmm. This is the toil which means we're not doing what Hashem, we are doing what Hashem wants, it's just not so perfect. Do you remember we had this, this yeah, long? The, the difference between, you know, just, doing, 
doing what your purpose in life is and therefore you can receive without having to actually do the right do the, the right. growing part. exactly exactly and this was I, there was a long passage I'm trying to remember where we started doing it I think it was in the bridge in the transition to Vahaya in Shamar where we had this long passage from Sidka Satsadik right about um, many did like Rabbi Shimon Bar Yeah, here it is. Many did like Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and didn't succeed, right? That's, that's the you don't have to do the Hishtadlus in the physical sphere, and yet it comes and didn't succeed, and many that, and people being called and maybe being, being prepared to do either one, whichever is you're called upon. This introduces us to what I really was planning to talk about today. So I'm going to introduce the fact that that's what we're going to focus on, and then we'll see how it plays out, how it's actually kind of pointed to in these different meforshim that are explaining this idea of the rain coming in its time. The point there being that this is really a good time. You're doing the mitzvahs and loving Hashem and doing what you should do, and there's blessing and there's enough food and there's enough there's a lot of animals and they have plenty to eat and the rain is in the right time but nonetheless there's still the osafta deganecha vesirosh chavitzarecha on the one hand you're blessed to be harvesting it very blessed to be harvesting it on the other hand you have to work hard to bring in that harvest and make it happen that takes another step afterward when the Torah says watch out if you sin and then it seems to become very, very black and bleak. Really, the core of that blackness and bleakness is already here in the good times. That is that toil. Now, would we say that's really so black and bleak? Not really. It's good. So what this points to is a lesson that, that's really what I want to talk about today, which is how do we understand the toil and the effort that is really part of something good. And recognizing that a lot of it has to do with our own frame of reference, meaning that which is black and bleak might also just be a much bigger kernel of a much bigger good. So where am I standing? Am I standing inside the black side or am I standing out in the light side? Then what is it that I see? Good morning. That, is, that has to do more with my frame of reference and less with a difference in the reality. So that, that's the topic that I want to talk about today. Understanding and relating to the dark that's inside of the light, that imperfection. Um, and I believe that if we can relate to that, if we can relate to it in the times that more clearly feel like they're basically good, like this time that, that we're discussing here in Shema, V'nosati metar artzachem ve'ito yore umalkosh ve'osavta deganecha ve'sirochcha v'yitzarecha. So we could say that it isn't as perfect as it might be, but it's still good. Then hopefully we can develop that inside of ourselves so that we have a frame of reference for dealing with also the times that then follow that, 
which are the Sartem Vavaratem Elohim Acherim, Vishtachavisam Lohem, Vechor Af Hashem Bochem, Veotzaris Hashemayim, Velo Yem Otar. Okay, so that's, that's, that's the overview. <laughs> All right, so the Orachayim on this Pasuk. To serve Hashem with all your hearts and all your souls, and Hashem will send the rain in its time. What the Orachayim is asking on is why does it say, Vinosati metar artzachem bito, and I will give the rain in its time. So the simple explanation is that it's connecting it to what came before. You serve Hashem with all your hearts and all your souls, then the follow-on, and Hashem will give it in its time. But he says, there's a little bit missing from that, which is it says and, which means in addition to. So it's not an if then, it's a this and. It, I mean, it is an if then, and yet the Vav says something a little bit more than just if and then. It says it's and, in addition to. Pirish, lefimam shekide manu, kishar mitzvos, enu mishtalim be'olam hazeh. We already know that the reward, do you mind closing the door? Thank you. That the reward for mitzvot is not paid in this world. If it is paid in this world, it's very bad news for someone indeed. Basically speaking, if Hashem wants to reward you for your mitzvot, he has chesed and kindness and love and doesn't do it in this world where the reward lasts for some finite number of years and has a finite amount of benefit and Okay. So for that list of mitzvahs, when we say you get the benefit here and there. You get the pre. There's a, there's a benefit that you get in this world, despite the fact that you don't touch right. the reward in the next world. So those benefits we want to get in this world. From right. So I think we will actually touch on that in the same discussion. It is, it is really part of the same overall theme, which has to do with blessing in this world blessing in this world and that dark spot in it, <laughs> the pit inside. What the Torah is telling us is that if the Torah hadn't had a vav there, then what you would think is if you love Hashem with all your heart and all your soul and serve him that way, then he will reward you with rain in the right time and animals and produce and oil and all this good stuff. The Torah doesn't want you to make the mistake of thinking that's the reward. The reward is in another world and much greater than that. And he will give you the rain in the right time and the animals and the produce and the harvest and the oils. You hear the difference? Mm -hmm. It means that there's a reward in the next world this is also, in addition, as a bonus, there's this, this part. Now, for us, it's much easier just to relate to this because it's the only kind we know. This is what is intended in saying, and I will give, with the addition of the vav. To alert you to the fact, it is only an addition to the main thing which is reward in the next eternal world, that which lasts forever. Gam 
And also, it hints to the fact that while food, technically speaking, is part of a person's mazel, sort of along with how wealthy they are or not wealthy they are, meaning they're born under some sort of spigot, when a person serves Hashem as he should, then he's serving Hashem directly, and the mazel does not have any control over him anymore. It's a one-on-one -on -one with Hashem. And he will be able to eat and be satisfied also from the physical, that, uh, from the physical uh, sustenance. That's also part of the and. I think you can also take from the, the approach that Orachaim has here, the, the schar is in the next world. And there's also a tosephus. There's something added on here, which is what happens in this world. He doesn't quite call that schar. You, would, you wouldn't call that sahar. That's not reward. So what is it? So we know really what that is. Meaning if this is something also, but it isn't the reward, then what is it? What it is is the tools and materials for this avodah Hashem. It's not the reward itself. So the Maharal, there's a Maharal which really will build on this. Um, actually, before I read the Maharal, this is a different piece. Did I write down who it's from? I didn't write down where it's from. We saw this idea. Um, earlier when we first started talking about the introduction to Shema. And when you look at the introduction to Shema in Akev, right, we looked back a few verses for the context of Shema. And you'll remember that in the context of Shema, what came right before was that I'm bringing you to a land that is not like Eretz Mitzrayim. There. It's not like the land of Mitzrayim where the rain, or not the rain, the water comes just naturally and rises up. But rather, I'm bringing you to a land. I'm bringing you to a land where you have to daven for the rain and God's eyes are upon the land always from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. So, And I wish I knew who actually wrote this specific piece, because it's a really good point. It says, I shall give you, and I shall give you, mitar artsechem, the rain of your land, as opposed to what you would think it would say, the rain be'artsechem. I will give you rain in your land. What is the rain of your land, the rain that belongs to your land? Because the rain in Eretz Yisrael is not like rain in the rest of the world. And we've seen this many different times. This idea that Eretz Asher Hashem This is the land that God is always keeping an eye out on. God's eyes are always upon it to see what is required from the beginning of the year until the end of the year. And as Rashi says, what does it mean Hashem's eyes are always upon it, always checking it out? Doresh is like to explore it. To see what it requires. 
I'm not going to be able to put my hands on a Rashi fast enough, so I'll, I'll assume this quote is correct. It's a good, a good source. Liros mahit to see what the land needs. That, it rings a bell, what the land needs, seeing what the land needs. That was when man was created, right? Hashem held back the rain, and he's going to see yesh tzorech, there's a need for it. The land has a need for the rain, and therefore he'll daven for it. Hashem is always looking at the land of Israel to see what it needs. Lechadesh bagazeros, and to renew for it gezeros, decree, sometimes letova, sometimes leraa. Because sometimes it needs. Exactly. This starts to lead us in the direction of understanding how we approach this kernel that you know, until now was just sort of a shadow on what was generally a very bright picture. When you start to look at it more closely, Hashem has constantly got his hand on the rain dial in Israel. Turn it up, turn it down, turn it up, turn it down. What does it need? Like the most sophisticated drip irrigation, right, <laughs> which was invented in Israel. It's constantly monitoring how much moisture there is, and then you turn it up or turn it down. Sometimes for good and sometimes for ra. And as you realized, that was prefaced by what the land needs. What does it require? Sometimes it requires the tova, and sometimes it requires the ra. That's why it says metar artsachem, the rain of your land. This is rain that has an a quality and a function that is different from anywhere else. It is not like other rain. It is Eretz Yisrael rain. The Baal HaTurim says, I will give you rain bi'ito in its time. You know what he says the gematria of is bi'ito balelos in the night times. So that's a bracha. When it rains at night, Right? The, there's a Gemara elsewhere that says that the, the biggest bracha is when the rains are at night, like even Friday night is like the best time. Okay, so that has to do with Shabbos, and it has to do with people aren't traveling, and all these different things. So when it rains at night, it doesn't inconvenience people. You get the blessing, and you don't have to bundle up and take umbrellas, and you're trying to walk somewhere, and you're getting drenched. And right, was it, was it Choni Hamaagel? Who was it who was carrying the salt? And it started to rain, and all his salt's clumping up, and he said, what, like everybody's happy and I should suffer? Like this is supposed to be a blessing, but my, but my salt is being ruined and the rain stopped and then he got in and then he was like, well, just because I want to be happy, everyone else should suffer and the rain started. You know? <laughs> so raining at night, you know, means that if you're, I mean, it's easier to drive, it's easier to travel, it's easier to carry, this is less inconvenient. But Lelos is something else also, right? And you can see that in the way that the Baal HaTurim interacts with that Rashi which are both on this be'ito, the rain in its right time. Rashi says, whatever the land needs, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. The same idea, at night. The rain, its time is at night. Good rain is at night. The Maharal says, in the Gurarye, you know what, I really, I really do want to put that. I make the notebooks independent of always having to pull out a farm for a lot of reasons. One is it doesn't break up the shear so much. <laughs> Another is so that if I ever come back around to it and I'm looking for it, I don't have to say, where's the safer? I mean, a chumash is one thing, but okay. 
So first I'm going to quote the Rashi. The Gorari is a Perush on Rashi. Uh, but that's, that's a gracious. Um, is that I will give the rain of your land. And Rashi says, quoting the Sifri, do what is upon you, and I'll do what's upon me. I'll give the rain of your land in its time, Yoren Malkosh, and you'll gather up the grain. So Hashem is saying, I'll do my share. I'll do my part, you do your part. I'll do my job, you do your job. It says, Be'ito Balelos in the night times. <laughs> I'll do my part, you'll do your part. I'll do my part, I'll send the rain. You do your part, you do the harvesting. We saw something like that in Bamidbar. We, we saw this Rashi in Bamidbar. Moshe asked about, um, I think it was specifically with Shevet Levi that it mentioned it, but Hashem says you got to go into the tents and count all the people. And Moshe said, what? I'm going to kind of go walk. Yeah, you're going to walk into some lady's house? I actually just heard a situation. I was just, somebody was, uh, somebody called me about a situation they had in a school that they run, not, not in Los Angeles. Um, a school of higher education, they were having an issue with a, a teacher who who doesn't seem to have, I don't know if he's maybe a little autistic, I didn't, I mean, I've never met this person, but they were having a problem that he doesn't have a good sense of correct boundaries. Mm. And it's not, it's not abusive, it's not aggressive, he just really doesn't know. So if they tell him, then, you know, he'll stop doing whatever it is, but he doesn't, on his own, he doesn't have a sense of it. And they've had a problem where he's walked into people's homes, like let's say another teacher's house, only this is a man and he'll walk in and, and the lady of the house is at home, not the colleague, you know, and that's rather startling. If you're, you know, you're in there cooking dinner and some man walks in, that's, that's it is a breach of correct boundaries. So Moshe says to Hashem, sorry, you could not have meant that you meant for me, right, to just walk into ladies' tents. And they're sitting and nursing a baby, I don't know. Like, who, they could be doing anything. They could be doing their laundry. And their sleeves are rolled up. I don't know. Washing their hair. Washing their hair, right. Okay, so Hashem said to him, Do you do your part? I'll do my part. Like, what kind of question is that? Of course, you're right. Of course, I didn't mean for you to walk into ladies' houses. You go as far into the house as possible, which in this case is right up to the door, and I'll do the rest. And then a boss call would come and announce it. Okay, so this, it's familiar, this idea, but then what does that have to do with here? You do your part, I'll do my part. Or in this case, I'll do my part, you'll do your part. I feel like applauding. <laughs> it almost sounds like partnership rather than hierarchy. Yeah. yeah, it is more of a partnership idea. That's right. Okay, so let's take a look at what the Maharal said, which is fortunately I copied out at least some portion of it into my notes because I don't see I don't see the Devarim volume. <laughs> I thought I had right here. Okay. Well we just finished learning Devarim, so it's possible one of the boys 
I was going to say made off with it, but since it belongs to one of the boys, it's not exactly <laughs> making, I'm making off with theirs. So. Okay. You make off with your books, I'll make off with my books. Nera Shadar Shukach. Why, why did Rashi, why did the Sifri, why did the Chazal explain this over here? Why did they explain it this way? Because in Parshas Bechukosai, Hashem says if you follow the mitzvos, and then there's all these different wonderful rewards. The brachos, many, many brachos. You know, people talk about the chukosai and the kolos, but there's a whole lot of brachos there too. There's all these brachos. But over here, there's only one. <laughs> it's like if you love Hashem with all your heart and all your soul, then I'll send rain. That, that's good and? <laughs> like where's, <laughs> right? I was expecting a whole party, not just one little present or a birthday card. It only says here, v'nasati matar artzachen. So what, what's going on? Ella, hachalo ayri bebrachos, shakadosh baruch hu no sein lahem, rak shakadosh baruch hu yase eshelo, v'hainu bracha shehi tzricha al habrios, hainu davar shehu mutalav. Sifri is saying, no, 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 Hashem is not saying this is like your reward. Hashem is saying, I'll do my share. I'll do my job. This is not about reward. This kind of fits in with what we said before, this idea that vinosati, this, or Chaim saying, it's not that this is the reward. This is in addition to whatever reward there is. I'll do my job, meaning it's mutalalav. Hashem is saying, no, no, I'm obligated. I, I, this, is, this is something I must do. I have a job to do, you have a job to do. Therefore, the explanation is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will do his job, that's what is appropriate for him to do. The brachos that are appropriate, if you will keep the mitzvos, he gives us an example elsewhere. It says, "Vehori Hashem es You keep the mitzvos, and Hashem will conquer all the nations on your behalf. Why not? If you keep the mitzvos, you'll get a reward. Because that is not an issue of reward and punishment. That's saying, "You do your part; I'll do my part." Your part is do the mitzvos, follow the Torah. My part is making sure you get into the land. So you've got to keep walking toward the land. Maybe you have to pick up a sword. Maybe you have to go chase after somebody. But who's really fighting your fight? It's me. That's my job. Don't you worry about that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to develop this a little bit more. You know, it occurs to me, Rav Hirsch uses almost that exact language, which is probably because it's based on that. ordered my second copy of the Hirsch Haggadah because I have one in the Pesach and I decided I couldn't live without it in between. <laughs> and then I found out I had ordered two copies of it, so now I have three copies of the Hirsch Haggadah. <laughs> I don't mind. You can never have too many copies of the Hirsch Haggadah. Okay. He uses almost the same exact Lushan. Lushan. It's not his Lushan, but okay. May God be blessed through me means that one's work is no longer his own doing. At the same time, one is not trying to gain his own ends. His status may be ever so humble. You've heard me read this a million times. Mm -hmm. His status may be ever so humble. His beginnings may well be ridiculed by others, but he has been assigned to his post by God, the master of heaven and earth, the king of the universe. God knows a man's strength. God's spirit animates him, and he has placed him within the particular context of his occupation so that he may perform his will there and then. Man is God's worker, and consequently he has God at his side always. He fights the struggle against nature and society for him. God fights the struggle for him. God is man's shield and protector. 
Before him, not man, will the entire hostile world retreat. That, that I think, fairly clearly may be a reference to that Sifri, right? I'll do my share, you'll do your share. It's not about reward. It's not reward. This is how God's will being done. How does God's will get done? You do your part, I do my part. If you don't do your part, God's will will be done anyway. You'll still get it done, but it won't be with the blessing that you got to be part of it. That's the biggest loss. Rabbi Orlowick talks about, um, he gives it as a mushal. If a person is sick and misses a week of work, is the, biggest, is the biggest loss the doctor bills or the hospital bills, or is the biggest loss the loss of income? It's the loss of income. That, that's the loss. He says when a person sins, so there's the impact of the sin, the negative impact of the sin. That can be washed away through Yisurim, through death, whatever, tshuva. But there's the lost income. There's what you would have or could have been doing when you were doing the sin. During that time, you had a certain amount of life and a certain amount of blessing and a certain that could have done something. You could have achieved something different. That's the lost income. And that can never be replaced. Meaning even when you clear away the effect of the sin, the lost, the lost time is not, not, you don't get added on. He said the colloquial way of referring to that in Yiddish was something like, you can clean the spot out of the garment, but you can't sew buttons back on. Something like that. Like you can't add on to it. You can take out the dirt, but not add on that which was missing. You do your share, I'll do my share. Okay. So Rav Berkowitz talks about Really, it's really this idea, I think. Um, in the bracha of Yotzer Or, which is the first bracha leading into Shema. Okay, the brachas, obviously, the brachas leading into Shema are the topic of Shema. And that bracha is, probably also ties into that Yerushalmi we were talking about, about fighting the battle. Baruch ato Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, Yotzer Or, who forms light, Uvori Choshech, and creates darkness. Ose Shalom, makes peace, Uvori Asakol, and creates everything. She's hard to know where to start. <laughs> Let, let's start with Uvori Asakol. Let's kind of do this as if it was a traditional part of davening Shir, even though I'm really bringing it to make a different point. So the first thing we would say, well, obviously it jumps out at you that it's Yotzer and Bore and Ose, which already are echoing the different levels of creation. We'll come back around to that, I hope. I hope I'll remember too. But we would also look and say, what's the source of the language in the bracha? Because Chazal, generally speaking, did not just make up a new bracha. They always based it on a pasuk somewhere. And it's based on a pasuk in Yeshaya, which says, Yotzer oru vori Forms light and Hashem creates darkness. Ose shalom makes shalom. Uvore, I think it's eshara, vore ra, something like that. Creates that which is bad. Chazal, it says in the halacha, Chazal didn't want to put uvore ra like into a bracha, so they said bore es hakol. Everything. 
Why Hakol? One we didn't talk about last Shabbos when it was Parshas Boratius. But because it was Parshas Boratius, I happened to come across this. Vayar Elohim, on the sixth day, Hashem saw as kol asherasa, everything he had made, v'hinei tov me'od, and it was very good. Vayhi era, vayhi voker, yom hashishi. It was evening, and it was morning, the sixth day. You remember what the Medrash says about tov me'od, right? Because I think we did mention that. That's the yetzer hara, right? That's death. It's even uh, it's a different Medrash. Okay. Very. Tov Ma'od, very good, that's death. And Rav Hirsch wants to know, why does it say, and the Lord saw es kol asher asa, everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. We've already know, we already know the saying, vayar, Hashem, vayar Elohim kitov, God saw that it was good. It's at every phase of creation. We've already recognized how the fact that the saying occurs after the completion of creation, of a creation, is to bring home to us the completely free power of the creator over his creation, and the work continuing in existence being dependent on his approval. So there shouldn't be anything striking here. It should have said, Vayarilokim Kitov. But it says, Hine, like, lo, pay attention, which means there's something new. Tov me'od. It's very good. Hine leads the trend of our thoughts to a new idea. And me'od is added to the new conception of good. We have hitherto been taught to consider only as tov, good. We are now to consider tov me'od. Something new here. What's new? It says, kol asher asa. Everything he made. Hine, tov me'od. So what's the kol? Kol is everything. Every single creation is good. Now when all of the creations, the series is closed, this is the end of the sixth day, each single one can be considered in relation to the whole, everything. So kol, it's the plurality not only of all, but it's a wholeness, a unification, that it is all good. Like klal, which means a general. God saw the whole of what he had created, saw how everything fitted together harmoniously, how they turned around one point, the harmony, the union of all he had created. Each connection forming the whole, that's tov me'od. It's similar to the idea we had of shalom, where it's something that is the, the end of it, it's the perfection, but it's also greater than the sum of the parts. Good there too, where we should not have expected it, where looked at separately by one who does not see the whole, it would appear imperfect. Meaning if you look at kolasher asa, everything God did, you would see it's tov me'od. The suggestion is if you're not looking at everything, if you're only looking at a piece, you might not see that it's tov me'od. You might see it's imperfect. Thus, everything created, everything in existence, looked at in connection with everything else, is very good. Everything relatively ra only appears ra, evil or bad, when looked at alone by itself in a fraction of time or space. This disappears 
yea, itself becomes tov, even yetzer hara, maves, death, yesurim, suffering, temptation, uh, he says, temptation, suffering, and death. And then, because we did not expect it, even tov me'od, as soon as we broaden our minds and look at the whole, that's the hine. If we look at single things in connection with the whole, look on ourselves, our lives, in the connection with the whole of our true lives, which has to do with our, our, our life not only in this world. Don't just look at this slice. Look at the whole picture. There's a next world. And our lives are not just ourselves. Our neshama is part of Hashem. So this, that's the idea of our mission as well, being part of something much bigger than just ourselves. Not merely as tachtonim, but also as elyonim, meaning not just creations that are down here below. We're also creations that were created on high. Not only in our earthly life of our senses, but also in our spiritual godly relationship. Not only in relation to olam haza, but also to olam haba. Consider every internal and external fight in the light of the spiritual freedom which victory brings. Just have to pause again, because it's one of these... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell it the way Ruf Berkowitz told it also which is very different sounding, but is the same point. When you fight the fight of light, when you fight the battle of spiritual freedom, when you fight against that which is bad, the light and the victory are created whether or not you see a successful outcome in the immediate slice. Because our purpose here is bringing the light into the world, is fighting the spiritual battle, is resisting the death and the, and the temptation. And the, this is what we are here to do. Therefore, even if it appears that we lost, if we fought in that struggle in the light of spiritual freedom internally and externally, then we too would see every contemporary moment in relation to the eternity that awaits us, then with Rabbi Meir, we too would write in the margin of our Torah on the words, Vehine tov me'od, Vehine tov maves. How good is even death? We could do like him, which is interesting because I don't know that, um, I don't, he doesn't give the source for that Rabbi Meir, but it also says, I happen to know, that Rabbi Meir wrote in, in the Torah of Rabbi Meir, where it says God made for them kosnos or cloaks of animal skins. He wrote kosnos or with the olive light. It's the same idea in the opposite. Or as the sages said, vehine tov zo midas tov, me'od zo yisurim. Good? That's when it's sweet. That's when it seems good. Very good, that's yisurim. Vehine tov, zeyetzer hatov. Me'od, zeyetzer hara. Just in the real goodness of these apparently bad things in life, not only the tov, but the tov me'od of all that God created shows itself. I can suffer in the present if through that I become wiser and nobler for the future. May even suffer for, may have to spend the whole of my 70 years in trials. After all, they're only a drop in the ocean of eternity that awaits me. Could we but see at one glance the whole picture of God's management of events interworking with and on each other in all time and in all spheres, even as he sees it, we should indeed agree with his verdict, Vehine tov me'od. Okay. That was his commentary on the word kol. Everything. Right? Hine tov me'od. 
That's the Yetzirah. That's death. That's Yisur. So now come back. Chazal didn't want to put the word ra in the bracha. So what word did they put? Kol. Kol. Includes those ideas. That's what kol means. Rav Hirsch is not giving a novel commentary. He's telling you what Chazal said about it. So do I know where Chazal said it and explained about this bracha? I have no idea. But it's clear to me that Rav Hirsch's explanation of the word kol is the explanation as to why when, you don't want to, when Chazal didn't want to put the word ra in a bracha, they wrote hakol. Because the word kol in Torah, in that first place where it's coming into the Torah, is telling us that what it means is the whole picture. Everything, including that which appears to be ra. Including ra. Yetzirah, death, yetzirah. Okay. All right. So here's how Rav Berkowitz put it. He says, tov has to be meaningful. Let me put it this way. There's a word tachlis. Tachlis means a purpose. It also means a completion of a purpose. It's based on the word kol. Tov has to have a tachlis. It has to have a purpose. Otherwise, it's not good. Right? We've had this idea with the joy. Happiness is a function of purpose, which means that tov has to be a resistance to ra. Tov, and this is why this is culmination of the six days of creation, not the seventh. This idea of tov is something, he says, we only see it from Yitzira onward. Even Yotzer Or, you would think that Or would start at a much higher place. Yotzer, that's like the third one down. Being Rabbi Berkowitz, who values the perfection of effort, so he talks about Asiya as the highest level. It all depends which way you're looking, which side you're looking from. Or begins at Yotzer. Choshech starts at Bore. Or has to have Yitzira. It has to have form. It has to have a tachlis. It has to have a, a, a shape that it's taking. It has to prove itself against the Ra and against the Choshech. The ultimate level of Tov is called Shalom. And Shalom, he says, comes out in the world of Asiya. It is tachlis. It's only achieved when everything is done. It's afterward, right? which brings us to Shabbos, the seventh day. That's Shalom is a state where there is no more conflict. Olam Haba is a place where there is no more war, no more conflict. Everything is in the right place. That's perfection. Okay, let's, let's just dwell on this for a minute. Some other points, you start to see how it all fits together. Okay? Hashem will do his part, that's the light. We'll do our part, that's fighting the dark. You'll do the work, you'll gather in, I'll bring the light. Rain is a time of darkness. We know rain is the biggest bracha. This is, this is like, do what Hashem says, don't worry, I'll send rain. This is a huge bracha because the rain allows everything else to be able to develop. When it rains, it's dark. You see much less light when it's rainy. It's very cloudy. That has to come before the light. I mean, if it's very, very sunny, <laughs> then the fact that it came and rained is not going to suddenly cause the seeds to germinate and sprout. 
first it has to be dark, first it has to rain, and then when the sun comes after the rain, that's what will cause the seeds to germinate and sprout. The idea of dark and light, of night and day. In Torah, the night comes before the day. Now, Rav Hirsch, Rav Hirsch makes an amazing point on that. A complete day cycle, like a yom cycle, starts at night and develops toward day. It's starting with the dark and developing toward the light as the goal. It achieves completion by the influence of darkness, but that is the preparation. So you need the darkness to prepare for the light. He says this is a fundamental idea that the Torah is telling us. That says something to us about how we go to sleep. I don't think I mentioned this. Maybe I did. At the end of the day, this is very practical. <laughs> at the end of the day, 9 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, and you're tired. Forget it. 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and <laughs> you're really tired. <laughs> yeah, 9 o'clock at night. Don't be silly. Okay. I have definitely heard myself saying to myself, I'm so tired, I must rest. And what am I going to do? I have to drive carpool. Three o'clock is not enough time for me to lie down and rest. And there's this almost frantic feeling, I'm so tired, I need to rest. That voice is a voice of night following day. That's, I'm so tired from today, I want to rest now. That the rest is to recuperate and finish off the day. That's not what we're supposed to be living. The night is the preparation for the day. We're supposed to say, there's so much to do, I'm going to go to sleep so that tomorrow I'll have energy. I'm going to take a nap so that in the afternoon I'll have energy, right? When I read that Rav Hirsch, that changed a lot. Because when I started to feel I'm so tired, I need to sleep, I say to myself, wait a minute, that's not how my approach is supposed to be. What I'm supposed to be saying is, Hashem, I want to have the energy to do everything. Please give me the energy. Maybe I'll get it by sleeping. Maybe some other way. It, it's the dark to prepare for the light. When I go to sleep at night, it shouldn't just be winding down, spending eight hours recuperating from efforts of before. It should be six hours or eight hours or whatever it is of building to tomorrow. And that, that's the same definition, really. I, I should have been able to learn that from what I've learned about bracha altogether, which is please send me what I need to be able to dedicate it to you. And also realizing gesundheit. Also recognizing... So you can hear it's a little stuck. Also recognizing... Oh, yeah, no, I mean, just not moving recognizing that whatever I have been given is what I require to be able to do the job. It's both. It's saying, please give me what I think I need to do the job. And whatever I do have in my hands must be what I need for this moment. I think I need more for the next moment. Ask for it. Because you're asking in order to serve him. That's perfect. That's what you should do. But there's also the receiving. Whatever you've given me is what I need for this moment. That's the God has put him in the context and given him the tools he requires to serve him there and then. That's a different way of thinking about rest and sleeping.
I have someone who was sleeping like that last night in this house. It sounded just like that. Okay. Give me what I need to serve you, and what you've given me is what I need to serve you. Now let's go back to that Rashi. I will give you the rain of your land. You do. You do your job, and I will do my job. I will provide it. You're going to serve me? Then I'll provide the rain. Because, like, if you don't eat and don't drink, you know, hard, harder to serve me. Now, this does lead us... Oh, I didn't realize how late I'd gone. I'm sorry. Here's what we'll... Let's finish with this. There's another thing that this tells us. What this... The way this plays out in our lives is this. Whatever situation we are in and like I said it's easier to start certainly more pleasant to start by trying to see this during a period of meaning when it's a time of blessing but there's work to be done there's a shadow in the light any situation we are in is a situation where we have been emplaced there to serve him through Torah, through mitzvos, through bringing light in and resisting dark. So what happens when a person feels stuck? There's no way. I can't do it. I'm not able to do it. I don't have the tools to do it. There's no way out. There's no good solution that feeling of being stuck or overwhelmed to the point where people feel, I need a break. I can't just keep toiling. I can't just keep trying to serve. I, 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 need, to, I need some kind of break from all this. Or worse, okay, the classic case would be a Vodazara. I need a quicker way. I can't, there's no way I can do all this. I need some kind of shortcut. Nowadays it might even be a Segula. I just need a quick answer. I can't. I can't work at it anymore. He says, the message here is there's no such situation. And we say, what do you mean? You're like not validating me? I do feel that way. <laughs> what if I do feel that way? Okay. So he, he brings this as an example. He brings Eliyahu at Har HaKarmel. Eliyahu at Har HaKarmel is a very unusual... It's very unusual on many levels, what happened at Har HaKarmel against the Nevi'e Habal. But one of the things that was very unusual about it is you have this huge prophetic type of miracle that happens with the, the flames coming down, and, and yet there's no Koamar Hashem. Normally, a miracle like that will always have a prophecy before it, saying here's what's going to happen, and there isn't. In fact, if anything, it's Eliyahu Navi kind of turning to Hashem and saying... You have, to, you have to do here, right? You've you got to make a miracle over here. We need, we need an open miracle here. Yeah. So afterwards he says, kasher tziva, like there is a sort of a tzivui, but yeah. He says, what we learn from this is, in every situation, I am emplaced to draw closer to Hashem and to bring down light through my choices, my actions, and my thoughts. 
If it seems that there's no possible way out, then we are permitted, and in fact, it is correct to demand a miracle. Now, that doesn't mean I'm trapped, therefore I demand a miracle, right? It's, there's no way, this, you know, if you hear enough Rabbi Berkowitz, you realize like, it's like Mr. Olam HaAsiyah, <laughs> in the best way, because says that's where real perfection lies, is Asiyah, which is interesting. If there is no situation where mitzvot and tefillah are not enough, doing what's right and davening are always enough because that is what we, that's do your part and I'll do my part. Do asisem mash aleichem, do what is incumbent upon you. That's really what this says here. V'haya im shamoa tishmeu el mitzvosai asher anochi mitzaveschem hayom. Do the mitzvos I'm commanding you. Le'avas Hashem lo'kechem u'la'avdo b'chol levavchem. What is avodah balev? Tefillah. There is no situation in which the appropriate response is not mitzvos and tefillah. Our actions, our thoughts, and our hearts directed to Hashem. So if I look and it seems like there is no way that I can act with a mitzvah that will bring light here. There is no prayer left. There's nothing to ask for because there is no way out. I, I can't see even what I could possibly ask for that would help in this situation. Then it means I just have to ask for a miracle. There, there's nothing else to ask for. There's nothing else to do. Then I say, okay, I've done what is... I have done that which is upon me to do. <laughs> I guess it's time for you do what's upon you to do. Hashem says he'll do that. So Shema and Vehaya in particular, listen. <laughs> you have to learn a lot of other things for the words of Rehersh to begin to jump out. Oh, that you would allow your heart and spirit to be infused by the spirit of Torah and allow your life in word and deed mitzvot and tefillah, word and deed, to be but a copy of the contents of this Torah. You would thus surrender yourself to God in love just as he summons you in love. Then will your physical life also endure. That is, as long as it remains the bearer of such light. That's ahava. That's ve'ohavtos Hashem alokecha. V'chol uvavcha uvechol nafshecha uvechol meotecha. Do you wish for a pledge of such a task? For a pledge of that destiny? Listen to it in the words in which God himself has declared it unto you. That is the pledge. You do what's upon you to do, and I will also do that which is upon me to do. See it also in that God appears to you as the creator of your national existence, and that takes you into the third paragraph of Shema. Do what's on you to do, and Hashem will do what's on him to do. And to the extent that then when you go to the darker, darker place, where you didn't do what was upon you to do. I'm jumping a little bit ahead here, but I think it's the correct conclusion to this idea. Ki shamru lachem, guard yourselves, pen yifte levavchem v'sartem v'avadatem elohim acherim v'ishtach avisam lahem. If you don't do the Torah, and you're not serving Hashem with all your heart and soul, and you're serving something else, God's anger will be kindled against you, and he will close the heavens, and there will not be rain. He will not do his side if you don't do your side and the earth will not give its produce and you'll be destroyed from upon the you'll be lost from the land the good land which God gave you 
we saw that when that happened, there was one possible response, which was, so you turn away from Hashem. And Hashem says, and I verily, haster aster I will then hide my face. That's not what's described in Vehayaim Shamoah. That's not what's described. And in fact, in Kisavo, things only turn around once you acknowledge that you have to turn to Hashem. If you turn away from God and you don't do that which is upon you to do, and God on his side does not do that which he has committed to do, and you are lost from the good land, but nonetheless, you place these words on your heart and you place these words on your soul, and you bind them tightly onto your hand, and you put them as a crown on your head so that everyone can see you are still God's people. If that's your response to Gullus, you say, I will not turn my face away from God. I will not. That doesn't mean I don't take responsibility for my actions. I realize it was me. And anything God turning off the rain and turning off the produce and sending me out of the land, that's, that's the gezera that Hashem saw was needed. That's what, that's what I needed. But I refuse to let go of the words that he said to me. And you even teach it to your children, so that they will keep speaking of it. Century after century after century after century after century, sitting in your homes, walking on the way, lying down and getting up. It's not a repetition of the Hayaim Shamoa. This is in Golas. And you write them on your doorposts and your gateways. What's the outcome of that? Your days will be multiplied. And the days of your children. On the land which God swore to your forefathers to give to you. Like the heavens are over the earth. You'll return. We'll get it back. It's exhilarating, and the danger is still so potent around us that it's, it's, it's as if we're being shown both, both directions in front. And we have to choose. We have to choose life. But this description in Shema, although it does go to someplace very dark and very heavy and very difficult, it's what's needed. It's that bad against which the tov always can push. And so, yes, it's easier to start with v'hai. That's what we want to be, isn't it? And if not there, at least But no matter where we mess up, and no matter how bad it gets because of that, we can and should always hang on. And then the miracles will come. Because we do what we can do, he will do what he has to do to bring it back. It's all there. Okay. We'll, I think we're still having a little bit of a post post yamim no Rhyme syndrome. So I'm sorry. It's <laughs> still still in the process of ratcheting back down. A little bit of. A, I'm not sorry. I think. Yeah. I hope that we can capture some of what we, you know, it's living in the in ve'ohavtos Hashem Okecha over the. Yamim no Ryan. So we do want to capture that on the way out. And that lesson, 
We can, we can demand the miracle because all choshech, all darkness, has a tachlis. It's part of kol. Tachlis is the word kol. There's only, darkness only serves as a purpose. It is not a goal and it is not an end. In Bereshis, Choshech is only created to serve as a purpose on behalf of light. That's what it's for. It has no power of its own. Okay. Back on for a second. This, that, that idea that it's Golos, dark is the Golos, what it tells you is that this is all the same message. You need the rain and the dark and the cloudy before the sun. The darkness is always for the purpose, the tachlis of the day, of the light. Darkness is to achieve light. And nighttime is to achieve daytime. And rest is to achieve strength of achievement. Right? And the, the golos is to bring us to Geula. And this idea also comes out, you know where else it comes out? It says, it's so late, that's why I didn't, I really wanted to talk about this. It says Hashem created the light, and Rashi says over there, and he hid it away for the tzaddikim. He saw that the he, Rashi says he saw that the rishaim would not be able, wouldn't be fit for them. Exactly, what he says it. Sorry, Hashem saw that the light was good, and he separated it. Ra'uhu, Ra'ahu, he saw it. She'eno kedaili shtamish bo rishon that it was not appropriate for rishon to use it. Ve'hivdilo la tzadikim la'azet lavo, and therefore he separated it for the tzadikim in the world to come. And you, ha- <laughs> you say, hang on. Not only is man not created, but we certainly haven't bit from the apple. <laughs> so why are you separating the light now? And that makes you go even further backward. In the beginning, bara Elohim. Elohim created. Midasadin. Rashi says, Vilonem are bara Hashem. It doesn't say Hashem in the name of Rachamim. Shebatchila, first, Allah b'machshava livrosa b'midasadin. Hashem want, <laughs> desired, and therefore did, create the world with the midasadin. Vira'a she'in ha'olam miskayim. He saw the world wasn't going to be able to exist that way. Again, it's the same question. Wait a minute. <laughs> why not? Meaning, why, why is that judged already? This is, this is <laughs> the, the first pasuk. Bracious bara Elohim. This is already way before. So Hashem instead brought forward the Midah of Rachamim and partnered it with the Midah Sadin on the day that Hashem created Shemaim, Eretz Shemaim. And we know that Tshuva predates the creation of the world. And Ramchal has told us that Tshuva doesn't negate Midah Sadin. It's the utilization of Midah HaRachamim to fulfill the demands of Midah Sadin. That's what tshuva allows us to do. What tshuva does is it allows us to work within rachamim to fulfill the demand of din. This core, this ra in the middle, this is, this is how the world is created. 
This idea of the pushing, the light is created to push against the dark. And the darkness is only created for the light to push against it, to get us back to Midas Hadin. And in fact, in the, ultimately, the world will go back to a state of Midas Hadin, and that's good. That's fantastic. That brings us to perfection. This is all, all these same, these are really all the same idea.